Authority Duct Soup Original Air Date 7th of February 1997 Hello and welcome to Scuttercast number 40. This week I'm joined by Anthony. Hello. And Andy. Hello. This week we're reviewing the episode Duct Soup, the extended edition, after a quick synopsis by Anthony. Kachansky is not adjusting very well to being on Starbug, and Lister tries to make her feel better by building her a makeshift bathtub and finding some extra clothing for her. Crichton thinks that this means they are growing closer and they soon will not need him, so he accidentally causes an engine failure, forcing the crew to crawl around the air ducts to get to the engine room. Thank you very much, Anthony. Before we get into the episode review, you've just got a few things to mention. Yeah, um, this episode, it was the last one written, and it was written and produced um, to replace the episode Identity Within. Okay. Um, now, this was going to be a cat-heavy episode, which was uh, based on the Star Trek original series episode, uh, A Mock Time, Okay. Uh, which basically has Kirk breaking Starfleet orders so that he can return Spock to Vulcan. Um, basically, he needs to go to Vulcan and get married and get his end away he's going to die of virginity right okay um so identity within follows the same storyline with the cat he's got a fatal dose of virginity and the boys are having to rescue a female cat being held captive by gelfs right and uh, basically it was going to address the problem a lot of the fans have got a problem with the cat becoming more domesticated as red dwarf continued right and so it was going to address that a cat heavy episode okay and what have you uh now the episode it was abandoned for budgetary reasons. The you know the plans they'd got meant that they got to build lots of expensive sets and special effects, but uh, they didn't have the money left. Okay. Um, now they did get as far as the storyboards and the scripts, and uh, on the extras on the DVD, you can actually. Uh, you can uh, see the storyboard with Chris Barry reading the script, yeah, you yeah. know, so um, you can watch that as a DVD extra, you know, an episode that never was. Uh, Duck Soup, is it's another one of these episodes that ran over as well, time-wise. Right. And so another one where they sacrificed the titles, although, as you can see, they've been reinserted for the extended version. Yeah, yeah. And it is, of course, the first episode we've got to not feature Rimmer at all. Yeah. If you look on the show notes as well, I've posted... Um, a link to a Google video. Um, so those of you that's not got the DVD with the uh, identity within, you can actually see this episode, um, what it would have looked like. I think it runs for about 45 minutes. Oh, okay. And the link will be on the show notes. I've already got that typed up on there. Fantastic. The first scene starts and it's 92 degrees and it's very warm and Lister is debating whether to go to the loo or not. Yeah, you've basically you've got this conveniently placed temperature gauge which is right next to Lister's <laughs> head right, in bed. Yeah. So it just happens to be caught on camera. Yeah. <laughs> very convenient. I thought that uh, they were sinking there too. Really? Being a bit more convenient. <laughs> <laughs> the scene then switches to Kachansky and Kachansky's going a bit nuts. She's um, got a spanner in her hand and she's talking to the pipes and it's the whole Nurik, Ritu, Harunga and Skulukul. Yeah, it's this is worse than Crichton's You're Lying line from uh, Ouroboros. It, yeah. It knocks and it irritates and it winds <laughs> me up and it's here right at the beginning and then we get it again right at the end and it makes me grind my teeth. I, I know what you mean. Um, <laughs> I think 
in the past it has been kind of funny. I think it's one of those things, if you've had a few beers and you watch this episode, it doesn't grind on you and it, it brings a slight smile to the face. But uh, If I've had a few beers and I watch this episode, I'm at risk of smashing the TV <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. He goes back to Lister, and Lister's in the shower, and he's put his pillar in the fridge. Now, this is, um, I mean, first the first thing I noticed is he actually gets up and leaves his pillow on the bed. Yeah. So, you know, he pulls his pillow out of the fridge. But we used to do this. I used to work on the docks up at Scunthorpe. Yeah. Uh, used to pick my workmate up from Sheffield and dri- you know, drive up from Nottingham via Sheffield. And um, red hot sunny day in a dusty coal yard up on the docks up in Scunthorpe. And it, were, it was horrible. And we always used to take up a clean, fresh T-shirt and where you put your work boots on, you used to put your driving trainers and everything in the fridge. Okay. And there's, there's nothing better than clocking off at the end of the day and you just pull on a crisp, fresh, cold T-shirt. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, we did the whole trainers in the fridge thing as well. Um, uh, this was probably around about the time this episode aired as well. Uh, right. Okay. So, yeah, uh, I know exactly where he's coming from, and I don't condone it, and I think it's uh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It then goes back to Kachansky, and basically she's going mad. Uh, she's just hammering the pipes with the spanner. Um, she, I think she's just lost it. I was, um, you know, I've got these mistake sites that I go to that tell you all the uh, mistakes in various episodes and what have you. Yeah. Um, now, one of the mistakes that this uh, site commented on is uh, is on about Kachansky's earrings okay. and they keep changing between studs and hoops throughout this early part of the episode okay. and I actually for some reason I became obsessed with where, where is it and so I kept rewinding it and looking and what have you and all the way through it looks the same to me Yeah. Um, they also go on about Lister's belt keeps vanishing Crichton's hand melts during the uh, the flooding of the ducks later on and uh, none of these I could find I reckon somebody's been into the uh, episode mistakes sites websites and sabotaged them right. for all these false <laughs> mistakes there um, if somebody has please don't yeah. <laughs> I, spent, I did I spent hours just flicking through saying, well one of these mistakes has got to be real yeah uh, now, then he goes back to Lister and Lister's uh, I mean, I think we've all been there on a really hot night where you're just smacking the pillar and you just can't get cool. Yeah, last night. Yeah. <laughs> that was the tonsillitis no. rearing up, though. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene starts and Kachansky goes for a wonder. She goes down and sees Crichton and she's complaining about the trainers in the fridge um, and just generally just complaining. She's proper moaning. She start, she's crying and Crichton goes through his data banks. And he tries to find a way to stop her crying and does the highlight maneuver for some reason, um, which does stop her crying. This is where she tells us about her nice upbringing. Yeah. But she's still not got a Scottish accent. Like, is that three million years of accent change? In, well, she'll have been in deep sleep, so she's only been out, what, seven years. But maybe seven. maybe she's lost it over the seven years. <laughs> Well, it makes me laugh because he, he claims he's never had to comfort a crying woman before. Yeah. And um, I'm sure in the novels he did with the Nova 5 crew, I'm sure they needed some comforting when, you know, he's ended up crashing the ship and seriously wounding him. And, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was, must have had to have done all... some comforting then. Yeah. Unless he smothered them. All... Perhaps that's why they died. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were all dead, though. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that called necrophilia? No, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> The next scene starts and the cat and Lystra are watching the laundry dry. 
quite sad really they're just sat there watching this this spin dryer going around following a g-string around and <laughs> Crank comes down and he's he's accidentally shrunk her clothes. Did Crichton, uh, sorry, did Lister and Cat play with a the thermostat, or is like is she really getting to Crichton that bad that he messed up, or is it just the heating? Um, I don't know, or maybe it's just the fabric that the clothes are made out of. Crichton's not used to doing. I, I don't know. Maybe he's just got it on cotton setting, you know, <laughs> and they clearly need to be on a lower setting. Man setting. Yeah. <laughs> The next scene starts, and Kachansky's looking kind of insane, eating um, some tin peaches. Now, see, this is this is all supposed to be taking place on the same night, isn't it? They're all struggling to sleep, and yeah. the heating's broken, and everything's red hot. Yeah. Right. Now, the earlier scene she had with Crichton, yeah. um, her hair was fairly reasonably dumb. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, for this scene, it's all over the place. It's absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Yeah. And yeah. then later on, it goes back to how it was. You know, it's... Um, there's no consistency to let you know this is all from the same night. Yeah, yeah. Lister tries his best to well comfort her, basically get on the good side of her. This is well. This is um, same as you were saying, Andy. This is um, she starts talking again about her upbringing. Yeah, and she mentions that she was brought up in the, the trendiest part of Glasgow, which was called the Gobbles. Yeah. Now I didn't realise until I read, I think it was IMDb, that the Gobbles is actually one of the roughest estates in the country. You know, right. especially okay. during the eighties. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's. Um, it, it was actually a gag, which I'd never realised until just now, so not a very good one. Right, okay. And, um, <laughs> it's, it's definitely not Claire, Claire Grogan's Kachansky. At this point, she is so snobby, and, you know, when she talks about growing up in the trendiest part of Glasgow and the school she attended and daddy this and daddy that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's because she comes from a different dimension? Do you think we're looking into it a little bit too much? Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe there were changes, but surely if the upbringing was so different, would she have ended up on Red Dwarf? I, I, mm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But it makes you think that, well, I, yeah, maybe we're overanalyzing. Yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> One thing about this scene that really disturbed me was, um, I mean, Lister's in his white long johns. And when he stands up, he's got them rolled up, and it's it, well, it doesn't leave much to the imagination. I was like, ah, oh, I don't need to see that. This <laughs> really got to me as well. Um, I mean, he actually looks quite happy in some of these camera shots. Um, it keeps getting mentioned on the commentary. Danny keeps taking the Mickey, and he keeps yeah. saying that he thinks that Craig Charles's um, groin area is artificially padded. Right? Okay. Just, look, look, look! He's got a potato in there. Yeah, it's half a potato now. Look, you know, just things like that. It just uh... yeah, it's <laughs> some things we didn't need to see. So. The next scene starts and. Lister has uh, been really nice. He, he's made Kachansky this bath in his quarters. Crichton walks in and Lister explains that Kachansky's going to sleep in his room. Crichton does this then weird, strange flash forward and he thinks Lister and Kachansky are going to get rid of him. Now, this is the vision he has with the Gelfs coming to visit, isn't it? That's and right, yeah. They get him a, <laughs> they buy him a, uh, 
a goodbye present, a, a keyring with a C on it. Yeah, for Crichton. <laughs> Crichton and so on. Now, one of the visiting Gelfs is played by uh, Mark Kennedy. Um, okay. Now, he appears later on in uh, as a prisoner in Series 8's uh, Crichty TV. Okay. Um, Craig Charles is wearing a very, very posh suit here like a big frilly shirt and what have you on yeah it. yeah and um he says on the commentary that he still owns that suit he's still he's still got them at home okay now Crichton basically he tries to upset Kachensky by producing a shrunken uniform and blaming Lister for it yeah know, trying yeah. to cause a bit of friction now in the last scene in the scene previous to this one yeah right, Lister has already offered to find her some more clothes yeah so I'd assumed that she'd already been told about the washing machine malfunction yeah but in okay. this scene Crichton's actually hiding it behind his back and <laughs> When he decides that he wants to upset, uh, you know, drive a wedge between the two of them, he's, look what Mr. Lister's done to your uniform. Yeah, I think it's just a knee-jerk reaction to, for some reason, as we mentioned in the last episode, that Crichton's all of a sudden become jealous. Yeah, it just, the main thing for me was just the the fact that Lister had already mentioned getting you some new clothes we'll find you some new clothes to wear blah 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 yeah, yeah. which it obviously used just as a simple way of comforting her well i would i'm assuming that she'd already knew about him um, this you know the dryer malfunction but obviously well not. i don't know i think in the previous scene she did mention that she only had two sets of clothes right that might be it so that that's probably where it's come from or one set now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah crying gets all uppity about her coming into the room and wanting to stay there and then all of a sudden all the power goes off. I didn't like the way that, I mean, you see them out in the corridor, you see them all in the doorway, they all come running and gathered together. And then for some reason, they all go into the bunk room and all just kind of, just kind of hang around there before the door shuts. It does seem very sort of like forced. Like yeah. most of the old series, they played more of a plot into the scenarios, but that was like, let's all turn around and go together. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you're right, it did seem a little bit forced. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, the door locks behind them with them in the bunk room. Now, this this has happened before in White Hole uh, on board uh, Red Dwarf, not Starbuck, on Red Dwarf. Yeah. Right, and um, the explaining there that Red Dwarf's interior doors are a light alloy, so they use Crichton as a battering ram to That's get right. through. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, so... The fact that they don't even suggest this makes me think that the interior doors on Starbug must be stronger than Red Dwarf, which to me seems a bit... Um, yeah. Who knows? I mean, with um, what happened in Out of Time, anything could have happened. <laughs> mm, true. Cryon explains that they're going to have to crawl through the ducts and it's going to take them six hours to get to the generator. The next scene starts, and they're in the ducks. Well, these ducks, is, um, we'd already mentioned that they've got no budget left um, for this episode. But basically, they've just used the existing pieces of the set and just laid them all on the side and you know, created these um, low-roofed little duct corridors. Um, quite funny as well, all the, all the crew, of, if you look, they've all got knee pads on to help them with the crawling about, uh, health and safety getting carried away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here you find out that Lister is claustrophobic and just really doesn't like being in these ducks it's a bit of an odd thing to be claustrophobic in the middle of a space stuck in a spaceship yeah well he says he's okay if he knows he can get out which I suppose he can get out of the ducks at any point really can he well yeah but he can't get out of the spaceship no no (laughs) 
I mean, surely if that was going to be a problem, then it'd struggle in, um, in the space suits and everything. Yeah, I'd cast somebody else if it was that bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the- it, does, it does mention having uh, a bit claustrophobic in uh, Confidence of Paranoia, though. Yeah, yeah. He's on about his spacesuit, and he says, I get a little bit claustrophobic in here, because that's when uh, Confidence says, well, take your helmet off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I killed him, da-da-da. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, I killed him, cha-cha-cha? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that seems so long ago. Anyway, Cat and Crichton go wandering off and they leave Kachansky and Lister talking. She suggests that the other dimension Lister was gay uh, to take his mind off things. There was one... I mean, I don't really like this episode, but there were a few laugh-out-loud moments for me. And it's where Kachansky was asking him if he had any gay friends. He says, well, there was one, you know, Bent Bob. <laughs> I just thought that was she great. She says, name one. He goes, all right. Uh, Bent Bob. Bob. <laughs> yeah. Um, you see, I, I actually like this scene. I... I like Chloe's Kachansky, and I think there is a good banter yeah, between the okay. two of them. It's just, I think I'd prefer Claire Grogan's Kachansky. Yeah. You know, yeah. In, in, well, in any Red Dwarf, I prefer Claire Grogan's Kachansky. Yeah. But yeah, this is, um, there's a good bit of banter and, uh, you know, back and forth between them. And I, I actually quite like some of these uh, duct scenes, but, you know, mm, mm. especially when Cat comes back to him. Well, that's the only other bit that I laughed out loud at, but we'll get to that in a second. The cat and Crichton come back, and there's a vent into a supply room, which is about 20 metres away. Because Kachansky has got smaller hands, she's been drafted to go and help get that undone. Crichton and Kachansky go off and try and open the vent. The cat, um, he's, he's left to, I don't know, make Lister feel better about the um, claustrophobia. And... <laughs> And this is the only other bit for me that I laughed out loud when he just says, boy, it's cramped in here. <laughs> if I was dead, there's no way you could swing me round in here. <laughs> Instead of taking his mind off it, like yeah. um, Kachansky, he's basically starts drawing attention <laughs> yeah. to how cramped it is, yeah. Um, now, you see, this is where, I think with Chris Barry gone, yeah. Danny really does get a chance to shine. Yeah, he, yeah. Now, he's been consistently good what little part he has played in every episode from series seven. Yeah. Um, you know, in fact, it's been hilarious. It's been my favorite thing. And I really wish they could have gone ahead with the cat storyline. You yeah, know, it's, yeah. um, it's a shame that it got reduced to a secondary character for this one as well. It, you know, they've, they've not really got a place for him in this series, which is a shame because he's got the funniest lines. What yeah. few there are. Agreed. This is probably the only time I laughed aloud in this episode. Yeah, I think uh, the catalyst of good chats don't seem to use as many these days. Yeah, yeah, they sort of miss, miss a lot out, don't they? Yeah, but I mean that that one and the bent bob were the only two times I laughed out loud. The next scene starts, and Crichton and Kachansky, while they're trying to get the vent off, um, they're just having a little chat. Crichton's explaining that while, well, basically while they've been sat there for the last seven years, they've been talking about well everything. And Kachansky reckons she knows Lister better than anybody. She asks Crichton whether he knows about the rusty game. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's told us all about it. Yeah, it was very quiet and nice. What, what, you know, you know that I make the sound of um, a rusty gate when I'm having sex? It's like, no, he told us about her grandmother. Uh, now she had a rusty gate and she fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene starts and the cat hears um, a water roaring noise. And find out that the ducks get backwashed every six hours. I think it's every six hours, every four hours. 
something like that. Yeah. Now, now Crichton and Kanchansky have gone to open a grill to a supply room. Yeah. Right. Now, if there's grills, you know, leading to supply rooms from all these ducks, right, and these ducks get flooded with water every few hours, right, wouldn't the ship flood? Right. Now, I was thinking this, um, <laughs> but if you'll notice that all the grates are above... Yeah, I'd, well, they drop down into the rooms, don't they? I thought that was through. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess, great. I guess, yeah. It just, it just strikes me as a bit... Mm. Um, I mean, according to the commentary, these flooding shots that they do, um, they actually uh, got firemen in with fire hoses. Oh, right, okay. You know, yeah. which, uh, it makes sense when you watch it. it. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Well, once like, they've had the flood, all the floors are dry again. Yeah. Not much, not much of a clean-out. Well, no. <laughs> you can't really class it as a, f- a flood. Yeah, okay. You'd think water would be like a scarce commodity in space as well, wouldn't you? you well, know, the it's something d- that they have to keep an eye out they on. They do say it's recycled water. Ooh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The next scene starts and Cat hears another noise. It's like a swirly, a windy noise. Oh, okay, this was the only other time. It, <laughs> yeah. I think Lister says, does it sound like a, a smegged off Lister punching the cat in the face kind of noise or something like that? Yeah. What makes me laugh is just when Lister says, right, come on, cat, let's go. And he, he goes to walk off and he says, what are you going that way for? Yeah, where are you going? Get away from the noise. Well, I'm not going that way. <laughs> That's yeah. the way the noise is coming from. Yeah. <laughs> As if he's stupid and he's heard it himself. <laughs> So this, the vents get dried and kind of get blown down the hallway. Well, sorry, the vent. And for me, this was kind of horrible. Kind of a speeded up, those two rolling over each other. And I just, I didn't like it. I, I wasn't that bothered. I, I quite liked it. It was comedy because it was speeded up. Um, I, I, yeah, I thought it was all right, that. Okay. The next scene starts and they're all back together. And they just kind of sat around for some reason. I mean, they've only got six hours until they head for this planet and, uh, or I should say, head for the sun and just all hell breaks loose. And they just casually sat around just having a um, a good old chat. They're discussing if they were in there for too long, they might have to eat a person. And Crichton comes out with the line that he could never cook a person, not without his slow cooker. And then I thought, well, ticket a ride? <laughs> or did that well, just never happen? <laughs> It was Eric White, wasn't it? The uh, Taste Like Chicken Yeah, one. yeah. Um, I, I got to laugh here as well when Crichton says um, the one about the urine recycle, and he says, oh, you should never have urine recycle with white meat. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lister goes back and tells a long story about him not liking the dark and basically how he got claustrophobic. Well, this is, it's a long monologue that we get from Craig again. Yeah. And it's another it's another occasion where he's basically had this long monologue to do and managed to do it in a single take. Yeah, okay. You know, and when he does this, he always seems to get uh, rapturous applause from uh, all the crew. Yeah. Um, so he, ba- he goes on and explains about it. It's, it's a story from when he was back at the orphanage. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't really tie in with him having a father in Better Than Life. You know, when he's telling Rimmer, my dad died, you know. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. when my dad died. Um, but the story itself, it reminds me of Rimmer's boarding school stories, you know, with um, Fatty... Roebuck, yeah. I think it is Fatty Roebuck, uh, isn't it? I'm sure it is, yeah. Kachansky's in there, and she tells the story of her school days and how, how different it was. She kind of had a cyber school, and everything was just perfect for her. 
Pokero- it was Pokero book. That was it. There we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the cat suggests that the world revolves around him, and Crichton says, no, it doesn't. And, and then he gave a load of examples. It's like, when anything <laughs> happens good in the room, it's, I'm yeah. in there. When anything interesting <laughs> happens in my life, it happens when I'm around, you know. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's what he comes out with, it's sheer brilliance. It's really clever writing. It's really well delivered by Danny. And it's, uh, it is, it brought such a smile to my face. Uh, yeah, I love this bit. It's only, there's only about four or five lines from him, but it's fantastic, each one of them. Yeah, yeah. The next scene starts, and there's a lot more crawling, and it's getting really warm in there, which kind of confuses them as the engines are out, so it should be getting cooler. They realise that they're actually heading for the sun. They were, they were going to pass through a meteor shower. Yeah. And yeah. that's knocked them off course, and now they're headed towards the sun, yeah. don't it? yeah. Um, Crichton kind of fesses up and just says, yeah, it's kind of all my fault, and um, he was so jealous. And then he does his weird little screaming, oh, just like he did in the previous episode, which I could have put my fist through the screen. It was horrible. It's, uh, yeah, I've wrote down, tell me about it. And it, it is, it's, I think it's something we've got to get used to in Series 7, and I don't know where it comes from. It only seems to, it only seems to come once Kachansky yeah. Um, to me, it just doesn't tie in. I'm still not happy about this uh, new insecure Crichton. He's very much, if you think about him before, very matter of fact. And you think about him in, uh, like in Justice World, you know, when he's talking yeah, yeah. there, and he's very matter of fact. And uh, in Legion, you know, he he doesn't care. Now you, you know, now knocks everybody out and says, now you're the same as me, so you've got to help. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and all of a sudden it just becomes this neurotic, <laughs> screaming, whinging get that just yeah. annoys. <laughs> in in this, I, I couldn't. I well, I didn't think Crichton was capable of this due to his programming. I thought he couldn't hurt or arm humans, or well, you wouldn't want to hurt Lister, would he? Because his sort of devoted mission is to save him. Yeah. Why would he like knock him off course and head towards the sun and kill yeah, them all? Yeah. I don't know. It's just a very much out of character. Anyway, yeah. They find a pallet and. Basically, they're going to go surfing um, on the next backwash. We'll basically get to the generator quick. Yeah, well, you left a pallet in the air ducts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why was the one there in the first place, you know? It's not something like you'd be climbing through the ducts think, hey, I tell you what, I'll take this pallet with me. I mean, we've seen the holes that they get in and out of and all the, all the uh, vents and everything. There's no way you can get a pallet in there. No. It's funny-looking recycle anyway, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so they have the backwash and they go flying through the vents and all end up sticking out this vent in the end. They then go back through the duct and they end up back in the quarters. Yeah, I, I love the way they all um, they all drop down in the shower, don't they? So yeah. you've got um, uh, Kachansky, Crichton, uh, Lister all come out of the shower. The cat comes out from inside the wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> right, and it's it's something of nothing, but it's just the look on his face as he comes out of the wardrobe. He's got this confused look on his face and looks around, and it just steals the scene for me. It yeah. is, it's something of nothing. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me of way back in Series 1, I think it is, you know, when Cat walks out of the wardrobe, he's just took a dump in the mischief. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. <laughs> He'll not find that one in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it just the way he steps out of this uh, wardrobe just really cracks me up. Yeah. 
Crichton explains that the safety override, he'd actually taken the doors off there, so he, he basically opens the door and switched back on the power. And, well, Kachansky kind of goes nuts and starts hitting him with the spanner. Right, that's the episode review done. Next, the scores. For me... I just didn't like the episode. I, I know, as you explained really early on, Anthony, that they'd run out of money and this was the best they could do with the cash that they had. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Um, there was those few laugh-out-loud moments. Apart from that, it was just... To be honest, it, it, they could have not made this episode and it wouldn't have made the slightest bit of difference to me. Um, I give it a 4 out of 10. You, you're slightly higher, Anthony. Yeah, I've gone for a 6 out of 10. Okay. Uh, basically, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I it did. Okay. Um, the cat has got some classic lines. Um, Chloe, apart from the pipe noises, yeah. um, Chloe, I thought, was uh, okay. I think Craig was good. Uh, still hating this new neurotic Crichton. Yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, it just... There's very little actually happens. They have an adventure without actually achieving anything or going anywhere, and it reminded me of uh, the early Red Dwarfs. Okay. Um, yeah, it's missing the Rimmer side of it, but yeah, I've gone for a six out of ten. It wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. Okay, fair Not, enough. Well, in my opinion, of course. Yeah. And finally, Andy, your your score's more like mine. Three. I've gone three out of ten. I I didn't. I think this is the worst episode I've seen so far in Red Dwarf. Hmm. Uh, I think it was very cheesy. Yeah, yeah. I felt it, to me, it felt more like a, a filler. It just showed. It might as well push. just been flashbacks or something. Yeah, it's put like push, push Lister and Kachansky together. You know, like show their storyline, but it, it felt more like a show, felt like a filler show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only funny bit I found was uh, Lister and Cat when they're together. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's four, six, and a three from us on the forum. There's a four, eight, and a nine which gives um, 56.6%, I'll call it, round it up to 57%. So I think that is the lowest one of this series so far. The next section's What's Going Down in Groovestown after a quick promo from Black Dog Podcast. <laughs> and so I said, you'll never make the charges stick unless you find the bodies. Well, it seems we have company, mate. Ah, yes. Welcome. I'm Lee. And I'm Darren. And together we are... The, the Black Dog, Dog Podcast. So, old chum, I'd like to ask, as I'm sure many of our listeners would too, what exactly does the phrase Black Dog mean? Well, I'm glad you ask. A black dog is a blanket that smothers one's emotions, crushing them down into a colourless pit of despair, self-loathing and manic depression wrapped around one's cold, dead black soul. That sounds like one of our nights out. Ha <laughs> No, seriously, I will kill again. So, tell me about the Black Dog Podcast. Well, I'm happy to tell you that the Black Dog Podcast is now pouring of ideas, news, rose-tinted specs, and shitty superheroes that's updated every week for our listeners out there in cyberspace land. In short, it's a single ray of sunshine in my otherwise pitiless barren existence. Sounds great. So what you're saying is this podcast is a forum for you to express yourself, your thoughts and feelings, to ease the pain of your hollow life. No. That's what this handgun and bottle of scotch is for. I'll drink to that. Chin chin. The Black Dog Podcast. If you're not listening to it, I'm going to come to your house and attack you in the night.
All right, dudes. What's going down in Groovetown then? Groovetown. First of all, uh, you got th- some things to say, Anthony? Yeah. Um, Rudolph has replied on the forum about um, our observations for the Out of Time episode. Okay. Um, basically, we'd mentioned that um, the derelict that they're rescuing the time drive from. Yeah. Um, which, according to Ticker Ride, Ticker to Ride, I think it was the. It, it, I think we get the name Gemini 12. Yeah. Um, now, he says it was a reuse of the Justice World model. Oh, and that's okay. why it looked familiar to us. Um, why, you know, why we didn't see much of it at the time. Because we said it was a, it looked like an interesting model, but we've not seen much of it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's saying it was the Justice World model. Okay. Um, I've got some other news as well. Uh, on Tuesday the 21st, Doug Naylor... Um, sent a tweet out. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Doug Naylor has recently started using Twitter. Yeah, that's uh, right. If you want to follow him, it's um, at Doug R.D. Naylor. Yeah. Um, so he sent this tweet out on Tuesday the 21st saying, expecting some Red Dwarf news sometime in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, it's a bit cryptic. We don't know what it is. It could be anything. Um, but I'm... I'm hoping it's uh, some broadcast dates or something like that. We've got to be, we've got to be getting close to finding out when it's going to be on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Easter next year, I guess. Yeah, that'd be good. Or maybe the autumn of next year. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I did know. I mean, since seeing that, I can't remember. It was a retweet from somebody. Um, I started following him, and he's also there's an ongoing poll at the moment whether the new series should have audience laughter or not. And there was a tweet this morning suggesting that the audience laughter was winning. So that sounds good. Fingers crossed for that, because it, it's something... I, I don't know about you two, but it's something I have missed from these extended scenes. I should say these, these extended versions, because they don't come with the audience laughter. Yeah. I, I don't think it bothers me. You know, when I watched... Um, we watched Back to Earth. Yeah. And I said it needed the laughter track. Yeah. And then I downloaded a version which had somebody had added canned laughter they'd yeah. added a laughter track and it was really really well done yeah and i sat there and watched it i thought yeah I, I could live with it i can live without it i'm not bothered one way or another now like doug said if you look at his tweets he's actually responded to some people's you know what people have said yeah and he says that you know if you're going to do it in front of an audience um it means you only get three or four takes before you say, right, that's it. You can't subject the audience constantly to the, you know, it affects the film time and everything. Yeah, sure. Um, also, he says it's not, it won't be long before the, all the spoilers are on the internet. Yeah, sure. And that, to me, that is a big, big thing. I'd rather go totally, you know, I could probably avoid them. Yeah. But it doesn't take much, especially in the, you know, the circles we move on on the internet. It wouldn't take much of a comment from somebody before you know we've had it spoiled for as the new series yeah yeah true. um so i i'm not sure I personally i think you know when if they re- recorded it and then showed it uh, to an audience showed thing. it to yeah. an audience not long before broadcast dates and that and got the laughter track that you know got a laughter track that way i think yeah, that would yeah. be the best way to go agreed yeah Welcome to the Parrot's Bar, the place you can drink a curry-flavoured tequila slammer that burns on the way in and on the way out. Parrot's Bar, 
busy couple of weeks again for me. I know I said on the last episode that I was getting my Halo Reach Xbox. I got that, and it's fantastic. Um, also played and beat Halo Reach, which is an absolutely amazing game. Uh, I, I won't bore you with all the details now, but if you want to check the show notes, um, I did do a blog about that. All 10 minutes of the game. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've been taking the mickey on Facebook. <laughs> I know. Um, to be honest, it is a short game. And to be honest, all the Halo games are very short. Same as all the CODs. They're six to eight hours long. But it's like um, a lot of these games, the single player is basically a tutorial for the multiplayer. But, I mean, it's atmospheric. It's fantastic. Um, and I'd, I'm a big fan of the Halo universe. Uh, but this game was just amazing. I really, really did enjoy it. Um, I but, think... Uh, Sorry, I think uh, Halo 1 and 2 are a little bit longer, aren't they, on the original Xbox? Yeah, I mean, I think the first Halo probably took me 14, 16 hours. Um, Halo 2, probably about the same. Uh, But Halo 3, uh, Halo Wars, ODST, and Reach, uh, they've been about 8 hours. Yeah, I think I did did, uh, ODST in a couple of nights, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just think it was fantastic. I got the PlayStation Move. Well, you <laughs> popped in yesterday, Andy. Uh, what, yeah. what did you think about it? Uh, yeah, I liked it, actually. It's uh, it's what the Wii should have been. Uh, yeah, agreed. That explains a lot, doesn't it? Uh, you have a lot of control, a lot more, hell of a lot more control compared to what you have the, with the Wii, even with the extended controller on a Wii. Yeah, yeah. You still get that. But yeah, it's good. It's accurate, very accurate. It, it shocked me, actually. Yeah, we were playing like... Um, I know something very simple. It was like building towers up. I think it was called Tumble, and yeah. but it, because you've got the depth perception as well now, it's just very, very accurate. And it, I was blown away by it. <laughs> How much does it cost price-wise compared to a set of Jenga blocks? <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that puts me off, you know, with the uh, PS Move. Yeah. Admittedly, I haven't got a PlayStation Three, but yeah. Um, that aside. It's it's the great big stupid looking ball on top. They're actually kind of cool because depending on what you're doing, they'll change colour. Yeah, they look like um, you know if you go to Pontins and you know the kids go to the disco. <laughs> yeah, there's always a shop you. in the corner that sells little flashing things. <laughs> yeah, and it just okay. looks like one of these flashing kids ones. <laughs> okay, well t- to be honest, if you want to read what I thought about it, it there's um, again there's another blog post. I've been busy blogging the last couple of weeks. I think on the last show as well, I said that I was going camping uh, to the air show. Fantastic weekend. Apart from it just rained constantly. I mean, I had three layers of waterproofs on and it managed to get its way through them all. I had a river <laughs> running through the tent. and um, So, I mean, all, all you can do in that weather is drink. So, I mean, we got there on the Friday night and we're just drunk, <laughs> drunk, drunk. Um, so, woke up with a hangover. The best gear for that is drinking. So, we did. We went to Southport and we just drunk and drunk and drunk. I think we drunk for about 16 hours. And uh, So, you can imagine just how... Well, how nice I felt when I had to get up on Sunday morning with a river running through the tent. I had to put it all down with the juices steaming hangover. It was horrible. <laughs> but yeah, it was good too. I mean, it was, it was that rain and they actually called off the air show on the second day. Um, it's oh, fir- lovely. No, no. Um, first air show I've been to, so it was it was kind of an eye-opener. If anybody's never seen the Red Arrows before, they were just amazing. Yeah. I was absolutely was blown good. away. The, the, the I can't say how good they were. They were, they, they were just fantastic. Was it in Southport itself? Yeah, it was actually on the beach in Southport. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of Southport. I like Southport. Well, that's the first time I've been, but it was pissing it down, so it's hard to um, say that I liked it because <laughs> I was yeah. there in full waterproofs and just uh, drinking 
Um, <laughs> you know, the, the plastic glasses on the beach, and he's just like, oh, <laughs> this is horrible, I'm frozen. <laughs> I've, uh, I watched uh, Kick-Ass again the other day. Okay. Um, a bit, I, I let my... I'll, I ended up sat. Wasn't going to watch it with uh, Abby in the room, but okay. great parent that I am, we ended up just sticking it on, and you know she got really into it, and you know I had to cover her eyes at some of it. But yeah, uh, yeah. some of the most violent bits, she was okay with it, you know, because of the uh, music yeah. that they used. It just um, it, it made it cartoony, okay. cartoonified it for her, and I think she was able to uh, accept it then. Okay. You know what have you? But I was worried. I was concerned that wa- watching it at home, whether it would stand up, you know, be as good as what it was when we went oh, to the does. cinema to see I, it. I've and, it. Oh, it is. It's. Um, I've heard it said before on other podcasts, but it must be the best superhero movie ever made. Okay. All these X Men, well, you've got X Men and Spider Man and Batman, um, you know, all the rest of them. Yeah, right. And I, I actually think this is better than all of them. I'm not, I'm not a big Dark Knight fan. I enjoyed the film, but I don't see why people rant and rave about it as mm. much as they do. Um, but uh, as regards superhero films, they don't come as as fine. You know, they toned it down from the comic books. I mean, you've got Hit Girl. Is doing lines of coke before she goes into battle and oh, okay. <laughs> stuff like that. It's, it's toned down slightly. Right, but okay. The- Ooh, just one more thing um, before we move on. I mentioned a yeah, on the last episode that I was in a more podcast-friendly uh, job now, and it's been fantastic. It's For the last six months or so, it's almost like I've been in like a podcast coma and I haven't been able to catch up. Um, but these last two weeks, I've just caught up and I've been listening to more and more and subscribing to more and more. And to be honest, I, I've been doing like what you do. You, you, you know, you go through the podcast and it's like, oh, subscribe to, subscribe to this, also subscribe to and subscribe to and doing that. And I found some really good podcasts. Um, uh, I found one last week, which uh, w- we might have as a future podcast of the week, um, but I've only listened to one episode at the moment. Um, I, but I've, I've laughed. I can't believe I just laughed out loud like three or four times. I was out like cutting the grass on Saturday and I was just laughing my head off in the garden. <laughs> I bet people thinking, what the hell? Um, but but it depending on if the caliber stays the same, then it'll be a future podcast of the week. So we'll tell you about that one. I have also found some horrible podcasts though. Um, <laughs> there are some really, really dodgy podcasts. I'm, I'm not going to name and shame. I mean, some of the other like podcasting ones and um, like apps and games and all that kind of things. People who, who are trying to talk techie, there are just some horrible, horrible podcasts out there. But I, I'm not going to make your mistake, aren't I? <laughs> I'm not going to say who they are, but there were some horrible ones. Anyway, talking about podcasts, um, podcast of the week. This week's podcast of the week, you've you've heard the promo earlier on. It's uh, the Black Dog podcast. Yeah. Um, now this can be found at www.geekplanetonline.com. Now I was going to look further into it, but for some reason Geek Planet Online is down at the moment, so I can't even look further into that uh, okay. at the moment. Um, yeah, basically, it's it's a weekly podcast. Uh, I mentioned it last week as one that uh, the the new um, 
the new co-host of Happy Times, um, Brad. Brad. Yeah, I'd seen a, I'd seen a review he'd left on one podcast. Clicked his name on iTunes to see what other reviews he'd left, yeah. and he'd left one for Black Dog. Okay, and that's how I found this podcast. Now, with me mentioning it last week, I thought, right, I better do it as podcast of the week and explain it a bit to people what it's about. Yeah, um, basically, they come out weekly. And the hosts are currently making a concerted effort to try and keep the episodes at round about an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, now, when I first started listening, I think the first one I listened to was about two, two and a half hours, and a lot of them have been coming in round about that length of time. Okay. Now, normally, if I see a podcast that's over two hours and it comes out weekly... I roll my eyes and think, oh, that's going to take some getting through. You yeah, know, you yeah, get sure. you get an hour into it and you think, I'm only halfway. Yeah, um, yeah. I've never, ever, ever found that with Black Dog. The way um, the way it's separated into segments, you don't feel that yeah, okay. uh, at all. Basically, it's uh, it's a podcast. The hosts are called Lee and Darren. Yeah. And uh, you get an intro with them, um, which is very similar to our Groovestown section, what's been going off in their life, okay, and yeah. um, what have you. Um, and, I mean, each segment as well, they've got some brilliant uh, audio, uh, you know, introduction songs and what have you that they do. They do their own music. Uh, Darren Diamond does the music, and um, it's absolutely fantastic, you know, some of these uh, sections that they do. Yeah. Uh, so you've got this introduction section, which is similar to our Groovestown. All right. Uh, one of the segments which is not taking place at the moment, but I think it will be returning, it's called uh, Crappy Superheroes. Okay. Uh, which is basically Lee introduces a genuine comic book character to Darren. Okay. Uh, um, now, the comic book character is absolutely dreadful, hence the name Crappy Superheroes. Right. And I seem to remember one of them was a shape changer who changed into a fortress but then got amnesia and forgot he was a superhero. <laughs> so he, there's a team of superheroes that live inside this fortress and the fortress was originally a superhero <laughs> um, right there was another one uh if i remember rightly it was called red bee and he got no superpowers but he did have a trained bee that he kept in a little <laughs> compartment on his belt that was called michael <laughs> and these are these are genuine, genuine superheroes. I think these ones were Marvel superheroes that have appeared in comics and what have you. Right. And you know, and we're still not onto the main part of the podcast yet. These are just the you know little sections that they've got. Yeah. The main part of the podcast is taken up with a movie review. Okay. And um, you either get a rose-tinted spectacles movie review. Okay. Um, or you get crap-covered goggles. Okay. Now, Rose Tinted Specs is basically a look back at movie classics to see if they stand the test of time. Okay. And so this is films like uh, Alien and Back to the Future and okay. stuff yep. like that. You know, real classic films. Yeah, yeah. Um, then you've got the crap-covered goggles. Now, this is... Um, they unleash some of the worst films ever made on you. Okay. to see if they are as bad as you first thought they were. Okay. And some are as bad, some are worse than what you thought and what have you. And uh, the the best, the biggest thing with uh, Black Dog Podcast is the amount of listener feedback they get. 
Um, and the feedback, I think a lot of the listeners are talented podcasters themselves. Okay. So a lot of it is in audio format. And they're almost like mini podcasts within themselves and really funny and comedy. Some of the some of the feedback Brad's done, you know, Brad that's co-hosted yeah, Happy yeah. Times, really, really, really cracked me up. You know, when I first heard that, I thought, oh, he should be doing a podcast. And then a few weeks later, he <laughs> joined him on Happy Times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, this feedback it's uh, the amount of feedback they get uh, quality feedback they've actually had to ask the i've said that they're trying to get the episodes down to an hour and a half at most yeah they've actually had to ask their listeners to reduce the feedback you know keep it at five minutes we don't right. want more than five minutes if it's in audio form um and that's it and yeah it you really, really, really do have to give it a try. It is, um, it's absolutely hilarious. Like I say, it's a weekly podcast. It's a long podcast, although attempts are being made to cut it down a bit. Yeah. Um, but it's so entertaining, and the way it's, you know, it's, it's really, really good. One of the, it's certainly one of the best ones I came across. It's, uh, you know, really happy with this one. Excellent. Um, you can down. I've already said, haven't I? Download it at www.geekplanetonline.com. Yeah. Um, or you can uh, obviously search iTunes for the Black Dog. Excellent. Well, that's it for this week. If you want to come join us on the forum, it's reddwarfforum.com. If you want to find us on Twitter, it's twitter.com forward slash reddwarfforum. If you want to send us an email, it's scuttercast at reddwarfforum.com. And finally, if you want to find us on Facebook, we're under the main parent company name of Fiction Shed. Well, that's it from us this week. We'll be back in two weeks' time with the episode Blue. Until then, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.